Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. All right. Good morning and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. I'm Rachel Marshall and I have my co-host Bruce Wainer with me today, as well as a very special guest, Monique Holm, the real estate investor goddess. Good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Good morning, Rachel. Uh, this, this guest is, um, is actually revolutionary when you really think about the idea that uh, everybody in the family should understand money creation or value creation, which we talk about all the time. And uh, when I have worked in, with my clients, education is very important. And it, and I can say both the male and female in a, in a, in a relationship or, you know, I also have female, female and, and male, male uh, relationships, but the female in the relationship along with the male oftentimes will say to me, just tell us what to do. <laughs> and that drives me crazy. But I, I must admit that the female more often in the relationship is the one who says, I don't get any of this stuff. Just tell me what to do. And that, that actually bothers me. And I say, no, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to educate you so you can make an, an informed decision. And so that is why I'm so happy that we have Monique today, because that I believe is her life passion is to educate females so that they can make uh, informed uh, financial decisions. Absolutely. And Bruce, I really appreciate you sharing that because I think that's one of the main reasons why it's so important to us to not just talk about investing and not just talk about money, but really to make sure that it lands with individual people. And today we're specifically talking to women. And if you are not a woman, you are very much more than welcome to jump in on this conversation. And I know that you'll get a tremendous amount of value as well. But men and women are different. And we're going to be talking about that today. So if you want to invest in real estate, if you want it to feel effortless, if you want it to feel productive and in part of this flow from who you are, not feeling like you have to invest the way somebody else does to get the results that they're getting, we're going to talk about that exact thing today. So instead of getting you veering off course or stuck in the mud or stuck in a rut or overthinking and overanalyzing, we really want to help you move forward and make traction in your financial goals so that you can have financial freedom and be empowered in that way. So let's go ahead and jump in. Monique is the real estate investor goddess. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. Um, she's the founder of Real Estate Investor Goddesses. She's an educator and advocate for female real estate investors. She has a mission to help 1 million women achieve financial freedom through real estate. Now, how powerful is that? So Monique herself is a real estate investor. She's a syndicator. She owns together with other investors over 1,300 real estate units across six states. Now, we're going to dig into your story in just a second because that in itself is profound and powerful. And I want you to be able to share how you've done that. Now, she's also a number one best-selling author, a podcast host, real estate strategy mentor, wife, and mother of three amazing kids. So let's go ahead and jump into your story, Monique. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. And I want to just uh, clarify one thing. I'm not the real estate investor goddess. Oh. We are all <laughs> real estate investor goddesses. I was very mm -hmm. deliberate when I started it because I wanted that. It's a plural. Um, I, I think that all women have, we all have at least a drop of the divine within us. 
And so we're all goddesses. So really, it's like we have a community of goddesses and I'm just the founder of Real Estate Investor Goddesses. I love that. And thank you for clarifying. And I didn't catch that, but I love the idea that you're not saying, hey, look at me. You're saying, how can I empower other people? And that that's powerful. So tell us a little bit of your backstory. How did you come into real estate in the first place? Completely by accident. Uh, I did not, I have a great family, great parents. I'm a first generation American. My parents always told me I could be anything I wanted. Um, as long as I was a doctor, lawyer, professor, engineer, <laughs> well, ah. I mean, for them, that was like success. It was, it was in parentheses, it didn't say, but that's what I heard. <laughs> uh, so I became a lawyer and because I wasn't as into the math and sciences and that was what was left. So, um, and the only thing I'd ever been taught about real estate was to buy, buy your own home and that's it. So the, the story mm. I got about money was you get a job, the highest paying job you can get, but you're working to work until you're 65, 70. You'll get a, get a house, maybe put something into a retirement account. You get a gold watch at 70 and you play golf for a couple of years, you die. Like that was, that was the story. Um, and I was never taught. I wasn't, they, they didn't even even teach me about investing mm. and at all. It was, it was just, you know, get a job, work till you retire and that's it. And, and buy a house. So I went to buy a house in 2005. I'd been working as an attorney for a few years. I hated being an attorney. I was really, really miserable, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, but I, I, I was working for a few years and I thought, okay, well, I guess it's time to buy that house. And I live in Los Angeles, which is a very expensive market. So for People all over the country, they, they sometimes have a hard time understanding just how expensive it is. Uh, and because I say it was hard for me to buy a house by myself, even though I had a six figure income. And I'm like, that, how is that possible? I was like, well, it was possible because of an uh, average house in average neighborhood. I'm not talking fancy in Beverly Hills. I'm just talking about a neighborhood where you won't have drive by shootings. <laughs> and, you know, it's like average. And 2005, 15 years ago, was upwards of $600,000, $700,000. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was hard for me to afford that by myself. And a friend of mine who was in a similar boat suggested that we buy a duplex together. The original idea was that we'd have a property with two equal sides. He'd live on one side. I'd live on the other side. And I could afford half a house. So I said, yeah, let's do that. But instead of finding a property with two equal sides, we ended up finding this beautiful old craftsman that had a larger unit downstairs. The upstairs was a two bedroom. There was a uh, converted garage, one bedroom in the back. And we bought that, each took a bedroom in the larger unit and then rented out the upstairs, rented out our back house, even rented out our basement. And we were house hacking before I knew that was a thing. I was like, nice. Was awesome. I was like, yeah, I was like, these people are paying our mortgage. Not only do I have expenses, I have tax benefits. This was great. Still wasn't thinking about it as a way to replace my income or to get out of my misery of being a lawyer. I didn't even it still didn't dawn on me that that was a possibility. But when I met my husband, he had a duplex and then we ended up getting a single family rental together. And after the market crashed in 2008, um, which was a hard time for us, but luckily our real estate saved us at that time. We ended up selling one of our properties and started flipping houses um, when houses were on sale. And we did that until 2015 at which point they were not as on sale, very um, mm -hmm. 
<laughs> very competitive in LA. And I started looking, it's like, you know, flipping is really a job. You know, you mm -hmm. buy, you get the house, you do work, and then you sell it for a profit, knock on wood, we, we never lost money flipping. Um, and then you have to start all over. And I wanted to do something more passive. And so I was looking for a, a, what a, the biggest thing I could imagine at the time, which is a fourplex, uh, but nothing in LA made any financial sense, nothing cash flowed. It was going to cost me over $2 million to get four units. And then just with no cash flow. And mm. so I was really frustrated. And at that moment, at that time, I ended up meeting this man that would become my mentor. A 10 minute conversation with him changed everything. And is why is how I'm probably why I'm talking to you today. Oh, <laughs> wow. Um, how I how I got, you know, really exploded in real estate. So I he was I met him through a mutual friend. His name is Robert Helms. He's the host of the Real Estate Guys Radio podcast. Um, our, our friend told me he's like Robert's gonna be in in uh, LA. I remember uh, we I met him October fifteenth, twenty fifteen, mm. and he said, uh, "Yeah, you should come talk to him." He's he has like done hundreds of millions of dollars worth of real estate. You're frustrated, so go speak to him. I was like, sure. So I went, and um, Robert was asking me what I was doing. I was telling him about the flipping, how challenging that was becoming, and looking for this fourplex. He told me two things that that really changed my life. One was. Uh, you know, he says about the fourplex, he goes, LA is a really tough market. I always say live where you want to live, invest where the numbers make sense. And I went, oh, <laughs> I never thought of that until that moment. I always thought you need to invest where you can drive to your property, touch it, self-manage it. It just never occurred to me that I could invest outside of the, where I lived. And that literally opened up the world to me. And the next thing he said was, uh, and you can get that fourplex by yourself, but you're limited to your own capital and credit. He said, alternatively, you could bring a group of investors together and you could get a 100 or 200 unit apartment building. And he started telling me about the benefits of that. <sighs> like, <laughs> my mind, like, what? That's a thing? I, I thought you had to be a billionaire to do that. It never, it never crossed my mind that was possible for me. And I decided right then, I was like, that, I want to learn how to do that. And I also decided I wanted to be around people who think that's normal. Because until mm. that moment, everyone I was around thought a fourplex was a really big deal. And, you know, relatively it is, but I think I want to be around people who think 200 units is normal, uh, who think that big. And so I went home that night, told my husband, there's this thing called syndication. You bring groups of investors together. It's like, let's do, let's do this. Uh, so we signed up that night for a syndication seminar that the real estate guys were doing in January of 2016 in Phoenix. And that January we went, uh, we signed up for our mentorship and we just said, this is what we're going to do. And within that year, we got, we went from having two rental doors to over a thousand just by That's awesome. doing that. Yeah. It was pretty incredible. That's awesome. And I knew that you had done that. I saw that in your, on your website. And I saw that in the book that I had read that you put out as well. And it is just powerful to think that you exploded that quickly and that you're attributing it back to two very simple ideas that were given to you by somebody who had experience. And I think not only does that show the power of an idea, but it shows the power of mentorship, which yeah. you do both of. Yeah. Yeah, that and it, it's 
it is incredible. Just like that, I the, the, the little shift you can get, um, you know, another really powerful shift I've gotten from reading the Rich Dad Poor Dad is, the, you know, understanding what an asset is versus a liability. An asset is something that puts money back into your pocket. A liability is something that takes money out of your pocket. A lot of people think you're, the house you live in is an asset. Um, yep. And the banks tell you that, and, but it keeps taking money out of your pocket. And most people are taught, you know, you get your house and then you refinance and you fix up the kitchen. You put more money into that house and then you fix up the bathrooms. You put more money into that house and you just keep putting it more money into your liability instead of getting assets that will, um, that will help you, uh, you know, really, you really like have create wealth and financial freedom. Yeah. Cash flow. Yes. Go ahead, Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. I used to have a computer program, um, that actually would actually run what you were just talking about as far as people would say, Oh, my home's my greatest asset. And I say, well, wait a minute, let's just do this. Okay. You bought it for this. This is what you're paying every month. This is what you're losing in interest. Oh, did you remodel the kitchen? Yes. Okay, let's put that cost in there. Oh, did you remodel the bathroom? Yes, let's put that cost in. What, what about maintenance costs? Do you ever do you ever like have to replace the water heater? Oh, yes. So let's put that cost in. Oh, what about real estate taxes? Do you have that? Oh, yes. Well, let's put that cost in. there. Oh, what about the insurance that you have on? Let's put that cost in there. And then after 30 years of doing all that, the return was like 0.03%. And um, I said, you know, is this, is this the greatest investment you can ever make by making 0.03%? And it just, and it, it was such a different way of looking at things. People wouldn't accept it. They would not accept it. They would say, well, wait a minute, the computer program has to be wrong. And then I'd say, okay, now let's just think about this logically. You know, with other with other investments, do you have to pay real estate taxes? Do you have to pay insurance on? Do you have to put more money into the investment in the form of remodeling? Do you have to put more money in the investment in the form of maintenance costs? You know, so on and so forth. And then they would start to come around. So talk a little bit, Monique, about um, how there are those um, responsibilities with uh, cash flowing real estate, but how then can a person actually use that as their advantage going forward? Yeah, so that's that's such a great great point. I love that you had that program to show people, and I, I can see also why people would be very resistant because it goes against everything we're taught. Like mm -hmm. most people are not. That's not what we're taught. That's just like the like you want to. Make money so you can buy your own home, buy your own home, buy your own home. Like that's all we're like sort of programmed with. Um, and then when you see, it's like, wait, that's actually not the greatest investment. <laughs> it really shifts people's mindset. But um, in terms of, and and so, just make a point in terms of like different investments and whether or not you can, you'll still have to pay property taxes and um, maintenance and all of that stuff because for. A, um, a lot of our, for our real estate, we do have to do that. But um, after those expenses, right, the tenants are paying rent. And after all those expenses, what you still have is cash flow. What you still have are, and you have a lot of deductions from having this business. Um, so a lot of people assume that the more money you make, the more you pay in taxes. So the, that's what 
how our system is quote unquote supposed to work, right? That's, you know, this person makes more money, they'll run pay more taxes. But does it work that way with real estate? Because of the mm -hmm. way real estate is structured in the tax code, it um, even though you're making money on your taxes, it looks like you have lost money because of depreciation and all of these other deductions that you can take in, in um, with real estate. I have a, a good friend of mine, he's a very successful businessman. He has three multi-million dollar businesses, found himself owing $500,000 to the, to the IRS one year, and which he was not happy about. I mean, on one hand, he was like, I'm happy I made so much money that I owe this much, but really nobody's happy to see a $500,000 bill to the IRS. And he found out about what real estate could do to lower your taxes. He ended up buying a, an apartment building in Memphis, Tennessee, large apartment building. The apartment building was making money. So he was making six figures of income from the apartment building. Mm -hmm. But the way the tax structure, because the way taxes are, buying that building brought his tax bill from $500,000 to zero. So not only was he making the money from the real estate, but he saved 500000 that didn't have to go to Uncle Sam. A lot of the times, one of the, the benefits with real estate is not just what you make, it's what you get to keep. Mm -hmm. Savvy CPAs will tell you um, if you're starting to make a lot of money, maybe you should buy some real estate so you can bring that tax bill down. So That's exactly. Go ahead. No, Rachel, let me just clarify this for our listeners because I know there are people that listen to us or people out there in the in the community that say, see, you know, these are all these loopholes in the in the tax code. And uh, you, you mentioned Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And we do, we do a lot of work with Tom Wheelwright, who's actually Robert Kiyosaki's um, accountant. And Tom always wants to emphasize the fact that these are actually incentives. They're not loopholes. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're actually incentives. So people say, well, see, the rich people get richer and then the poor people get poorer and so on and so forth. But the, the, the rich people are actually providing places for middle class, lower class, upper class to live. It's an incentive that the government, hey, we want people to actually build these things. We want people to actually mm -hmm. maintain these things for everybody in the United States. So we're going to put some incentives in the tax code to actually allow this to happen so that it benefits the entire United States, not just the rich people and their tax break. And so I just wanted to clarify that, Monique, because this is a great benefit that I'm sure you share in your uh, seminars and so on and so forth. But I also think that it's a more education so that people understand that it, it is put in there to benefit everybody, not just the person that's, that's actually purchasing the apartment or the single family home or so on and so forth. Yeah, the government wants to provide incentives to people to provide housing, to provide, um, you know, business like, development, you know, places economic for development, people. yes. But here's the, here's the other thing too. Those rules are good for everybody, right? So you're like, this is, this is not just for the wealthy to use. This is how you can use this to become wealthy. So I, yes. you know, it's really, it's like those the rules can apply for you. That's why I want people to know. It's like you can take advantage of this and you can use it to build wealth. That's so why I, I, I wrote and I offer my book, um, Investing in Real Estate from $1 to $1 million, Investing Strategies for Every Goddess and Every Budget. I want, well, 
uh, this was written especially for women, but anybody can read it because I want everybody to know that you don't have to be a millionaire, a billionaire to get into the game. Mm -hmm. That you can get started from whatever budget you have. I share 12 strategies in there, most of which are little to no money down strategies because, and the, and these, these tax benefits and all of the other benefits will work for anybody. You just have to get into the game. And I think what's really interesting, and you bring this out in that book, that there's this concept or this mindset that I don't have enough money yet, or I don't have enough time, or I don't have the skill set to uh, fix toilets. And so therefore, I'm not ready yet for real estate. So can you kind of talk to where that mindset comes from that I need to have more money in order to be able to invest? And then um, I think at one point, we do want to jump real quickly into what are some of those strategies if you're thinking, I don't have enough yet to invest in real estate, what you could do? Sure. Um, so I started thinking about the second question. Sorry, so don't sorry. Know what the first question was again. So, uh, why do people have that mindset that I can't invest in real estate unless right. I have more money? Okay, so a lot of it has to do with just limiting beliefs that we're taught, you know, growing growing up, or not necessarily seeing people um, that you know that look like you that are mm-hmm. that are doing this. Um, if, for growing up, if you asked me or like who's a real estate investor the only the only thing i could think of would be donald trump right like that was like oh and then so i always thought you needed donald trump's money mm-hmm. to, get, to become a real estate investor it's like a, it, that's them and this is me and i'm not them. yeah and, and you have to be a billionaire to, mm-hmm. to be in real estate and then there was so there are a few things that show up for people one is that you're gonna need a lot first first a lot of people think i have to buy my own home first and then I can start investing. And they, mm-hmm. that, that's sort of like, that's, that's what we're, we're often taught that, okay, you get the job, then you buy a home and then whatever's left, then you can start investing. And I, I actually would recommend you invest first, <laughs> you know, and you get your money working for you and then use the, the proceeds from that to buy your liabilities like your home. But either either way, Perfect. or you buy, very good. Yes. or you do something similar to what I did, and you buy multiple units, and you have your tenants paying for your expenses until you can move from there. But so a lot of that is there's always this I can get started later, but and then there's this this idea that you need a large chunk of money available in order to invest, um, especially for people who are in expensive markets like me. You know, and you you think, oh gosh, it's you know, a house is like a million dollars, so I'm gonna need all of this money in the bank before I can even get started. So that's that's one thing. Another, and then there's also this sense that sometimes it's like a landlords or slumlords, or there's this bad like association mm-hmm. with landlords. Um, part of my mission, I, my personal mission, is, and what I teach the real estate investor guys is, is we only invest in properties where we can leave a, a property in a community better than we found. So I love it's that. It's not about being a slumlord. It's not about taking every dollar out of a deal. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's very win-win. So we're we're improving lot. We're improving communities and um, and situations for our tenants and for the surrounding communities, and really working to improve things in that way. And so I th- I think that when people can realize one that there are a lot of ways that you can get in, you don't need a lot of money. 
There are a lot of different ways that you can invest that don't require time. You don't actually have to be a landlord. You don't have to invest with the three T's, tenants, toilets, termites. Um, there are passive ways of investing. Then when people realize, oh, there are a lot of different strategies. There are a lot of different ways I can do it. And at different price points, I too can get into this game. And it can be a game. And it's a game that can really benefit others and, and will feel good and be win-win. Then they're they're ready. They're they're like, show me how. Well, and I love that you talk about it feeling good because I think that's something that we need not only as women, but I think as any good, integrous, maybe moral isn't the right word on this, but a human that really wants to create true value in the world and do the most and expand the world for generations to come. I mean, if we're thinking about how I can do good then we want something, an investing strategy that matches up with that. And I think what you're saying is, yes, you absolutely can do that in real estate and you can expand the world for everyone else. And I remember, I don't know if you know who Jay Massey is, who does um, Cashflow Diaries. He's always talked about, it's a, it's, you're creating a value, you're filling a need. There's a person who is receiving that investment who needs a clean, affordable place to live and you're providing that as the real estate investor. And it's just really interesting to realize that it's not about the house. It's about the people who are going to live in the house. You're serving people through this, this venue of a real estate investment. So let's go ahead and talk real quick. If you want to just kind of give a overview and it doesn't have to be all 12, but I know in your book, the um, investing in real estate from $1 to a million, you're really conceptualizing, Hey, you don't need a ton of money. You can get started exactly right now today where you're at so that you can build this trajectory trajectory. And you said that you started with house flipping, but that's not the only way, the only strategy. And I think sometimes we can be very limited. Like there's only one way to invest in real estate. Or if we, if we finally have gotten over the hurdle of saying, well, I want to be a real estate investor, but I don't know anyone else who's doing it. How do you, what are the 12 strategies that you lay out or some of them um, that just make it, more accessible no matter where you are with the time and financial capital. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I started with flipping because of one reason I saw shows flipping shows on TV and that was how I, that was the only thing I could think of was real estate investing. It's like, Oh, flipping. That's what you do. That's real estate investing. And that, that was, was relatable to you. That's, and that was really like all I'd seen and all mm -hmm. I knew, right. You know, other than having my house with, the, the tenants, but it's like, oh, okay, I guess that's what we do now that <laughs> we're going to invest. Um, but so some of the strategies that I talk about, I split it up into four main areas and I'll, I'll share one per area. So the, the first one has to do with uh, sweat equity. So you have, um, you, maybe th these are strategies that aren't going to require your money, but you're, you're putting in the, the time and the effort. Uh, and the, one of the simplest strategies is something that most people can get started with right now, which is doing Airbnb or short-term rental in your own house. So it can be if you have a separate space doing that, um, but renting out a bedroom or a couch. And then there, there's some other uh, ways of doing that too. Sometimes people can rent out their space for um, meetings. They can rent out their space for events. Um, they can rent out their space for photography, for shoots, uh, um, TV shows, if it's, if it's a beautiful space. So you can actually just use the home you have right now, whether you're, you're renting it or you're, you own it. So that's one strategy that's really quick and as a sweat equity strategy. 
Um, another one is joint venturing with somebody else. Maybe somebody has the money and they don't want to, to do the work, but you're going to find the property. You're going to fix it up. You, you maybe you flip it. You do all of that work and you split the proceeds 50, 50. One of you puts in the money, the other one puts in the time. So those are sweat equity strategies. Another, um, I think another, one of the, the four, I was on, um, or was like more traditional, but mm -hmm. you, uh, what people will think of as buying a property, but there are some little to no money down financing strategies. For example, if you are a veteran or you're married to a veteran, you can partner with a veteran, you have VA loans, zero money down. Um, those have to be owner occupied. So that might be for you to get a two to four unit. But, and then there's um, USDA, so rural loans or um, first-time homeowner loans, which actually you don't have to actually be a first-time homeowner. You just can't have had bought a home within three years. So um, the, those, are, um, those are strategies that you can get in for 0% you know, down to 3.5% down. Uh, so those are strategies that people can, can tap into. Um, some passive investing strategies are is one that um, that I offer um, as syndication, so which is basically crowdfunded real estate. People who don't have a lot of time um, but want to get into the game, they can they can uh, passively invest with a group. That's a this is a lot more like investing in stocks. You're mm -hmm. you're gonna be, but the the business that you're investing in is a apartment business or um, a, an, an industrial business, but you're, you, you own a share of this business and get a share of the cash flow and, um, share and of the tax, tax breaks, benefits, the tax benefits, <laughs> and then the equity upon sale. So that's, uh, that's one really good strategy. There are some online ELIC, um, REITs, real estate investment trusts that I mentioned in the, in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to think, like, what are the other? <laughs> um, you had another it, section that you talked about, like tax liens and private money lending. Yeah, um, so there are some where you're you're not at all dealing with the tenants, and not even necessarily dealing with the property so much. So tax liens is when people can't pay their property taxes, the municipality will put a, a lien on the the property. So you, you and they they allow investors to purchase the liens, or in certain cases they'll they'll take away the property and they have the deed of the house and investors can purchase the deed to own the property. So tax lien or tax deed sales, um, especially with the tax liens, you're not at all dealing with the, the property. You just, um, and you can get as much as 36% interest on your money and the government will collect it for you. Um, <laughs> and you, you may end up with the, you'll either get your money back and end up with uh, that with interest or you may end up with the property. Um, if they can't pay it off. So that's tax liens and notes is basically like becoming the bank. So you can, which is the bank has a, a note or the, the mortgage, there's a note underlying it, your promise to pay. And it's a, it's a very lucrative business. That's why banks do it. They're not nonprofits. Um, and they, they will then sell the, the notes to, to other investors. I don't know if anybody has a mortgage and they then get a letter in the mail from the new company saying, now you're going to pay your mortgage to, to me and to us. Um, you were with, you were with Citibank and now you are with, you know, ABC mortgage mm -hmm. company. Um, 
that that was the note being sold. And so you can buy those notes and the, they're at a discount. But one of the strategies is actually non-performing notes where people have stopped paying on their rent, on their um, mortgage, and, they, uh, and the bank sells them for, at a deep discount. Why mm -hmm. would somebody buy a, a note where the, the person isn't paying? Um, the, so let's say there's a $100,000 note and the, the person hasn't, they're COVID, they've lost their job, they're not able to pay. Um, and they can't, they can't pay the $1,000 a month or whatever it is they need to pay. Uh, so the bank has this note that maybe the, the property is worth a hundred thousand, uh, the, the notes are worth a hundred thousand and maybe the property is worth, um, you know, let's, we'll use round numbers. The property is worth a hundred thousand, the note's worth a hundred thousand and the bank might sell it for 40 cents on the dollar. And so you, you buy this note worth a hundred thousand for 40,000. And now you have some wiggle room to play. So you can talk to the, to the homeowner and say, um, hey, I know you, you can't pay a thousand a month. What can you pay? And they're like, well, we can't pay a thousand a month, but we could pay 800 a month or 700 a month. Um, and it's like, okay, well, we'll, we'll low, we can lower it down to 700 a month. We can even erase and make it a $70,000 note or, a, you know, or an $80,000 note. You're paying a hundred, uh, well, you're saving money. We can even uh, wipe out that part of the debt you haven't been able to pay. Now they're able to stay in the house, but you paid 40,000 and you, you have this, this $30,000 note and then they're paying. And as they're paying, mostly they're paying interest because that's how notes are <laughs> like a lot of the interest up front. Um, and then they way towards the end, they start, you know, you pay mostly interest and then gradually it goes down until you're paying mostly principal. Uh, and then you, you have this, note that's making you money you can resell it once it starts performing um for like eighty thousand seventy thousand um and now you've you've made that bundle plus the the, the payments in the meantime so it's very lucrative um and mm -hmm. a way of investing so that's well, that's one of many strategies well you know monique i think the reason that it's so interesting to realize that there's so many different options is that we've brought up several of these topics. We've talked about turnkey on our show before. We've talked about um, investing in apartment buildings. We've talked about uh, multifamily and um, mobile home parks. We've talked about a lot of things and brought guests on the show. And I think what's just really interesting is expanding the concept of what investing looks like and taking the the requirement to have a certain dollar amount of capital set aside to be able to invest, really removing that from the equation. However, it is really valuable to be able to have a great um, success in your financial system where you're saving a portion of the money that you make, you're in a position where you have that cash and that capital to then be able to just expand and continue to leverage all of the opportunity in real estate and we have people who are already investing in real estate and they're just expanding their game at this point and continuing to add properties and continue to build maybe from single family up towards syndication. And what's really interesting about this whole concept is that it is a wonderful path towards building time and money freedom. And especially as we talk about in conjunction with privatized banking, which I'm not sure how familiar you are, but the idea of having your capital that you've put into a whole life insurance policy, you have this cash value you can borrow against and put your money to work in two places at the same time. And this whole idea then is how can you be as in control as possible? How can you make sure that you're making financial decisions that are putting your money to work for you? You're not just working for money. So 
what I want to ask you though, you're in this specific space where you're helping somebody to really be able to operate from their own uniqueness or their own unique ability. Why do women need to think about investing in real estate differently from just the status quo, how everyone else invests in real estate? And what does that look like to invest as a woman in real estate? Yeah, that's a great question. Because women are, you know, and men, we're different. We have a different chromosomal levels. Our brain structure is different. Um, we're, we, and we approach money and investing differently. So as in, in I'm going to make some broad generalizations here, but in, in general, women are, um, I think that there are certain ways that women work best with regards to money. We tend to need more um we don't make as quick decisions we tend to need more help and guidance which actually serves us we, we tend to be better investors on average once we're in the game mm -hmm. um than male investors who tend to make like quicker like more instinct uh based decisions women tend to be a little more fearful about their decisions but so they they seek advice and then they they're they're care they're more they tend to be more careful in terms of the what their 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 money moves they i think some of the things that were that were taught just in general which is more masculine way of approaching versus the feminine way is that just in general that there should be this like no pain no gain muscle through man up kind of like way of dealing <laughs> um with with life and for women we uh we it doesn't work as well if we muscle through we should pleasure through for women it's just like there's a there's a feeling good aspect that's really important for us um and if we do it more just like no pain again like we will fry our adrenals and it's not healthy for us we're also very intuitive you know they talk about women's intuition and for a good reason our our uh, our brain the left and right side of our brains have uh, more connections they're more connected in a, in a woman than in a man and that um, we do have this powerful intuitive guidance that we can tap into that, that, will, that can guide us and help us make amazing decisions. We're often not taught to use it and to trust it. So part of, part of what I do is help women <laughs> to do that, um, like learn to hear their intuitive guidance and be able to trust it because it's super valuable. Another thing that for women is really important is being in a sisterhood and a community of women, we release oxytocin, this feel-good hormone that our brains telling us, "Yes, this is good for you. Do this more." And like three main ways: one is sex <laughs> and orgasm. Another one is breastfeeding, um, and a third is actually in groups of women. So just hmm. being in community of women releases oxytocin in our brains. We're really um, for women. Uh, for men, it's more of a fight or fight or flight um, response to stress for women, what helps us is tender befriend. And mm. so that is, um, that's also really important for women. So it, and in community, in a, you know, our, our sisterhood, a real estate investor goss is very cooperative. It's non, it's, it's like we're in an abundant universe. We work together, we cheer each other on, we cheerlead. It's very much just like, non-catty non-judgmental loving space uh that that supportive type of environment is really nurturing for a woman and helps her have the courage to go out and do real estate successfully 
And then when other women see her being successful, then they go, oh, I can do that too. And then they do. Well, I think a couple things that you mentioned, one was having courage. One was having uh, models, even somebody who's going before you and showing you what can be done. And then you're talking about being in this position of a cooperative, non-judgmental space. And I think sometimes that fear of making a mistake or looking bad or making a decision that everyone else would come back and be like, oh, look, they, they failed. That doesn't feel good. But at the same time, you have to be willing to fail in order to gain the experience and figure out what works for you and figure out maybe which way of investing in real estate is the best one for you that you thrive in the most. But at the same time, just having that collaborative, um, supportive environment seems to always propel everyone to be lifted higher. Um, yeah. Oh, I forgot. There's one other thing that's really yeah. important um, that, that tends to differentiate men and women. So men can often, they will like, ga they gamify, they can gamify money and they, they're, they're often just happy to make more money for the, for the game, just to, like to win and to have more. For women, we tend to, after our, our expenses are met, we will only want more if it's, as usual, if, we, if it can give back or if it's helpful to others. So um, because of this wiring to give back to our families, to our communities, to our world, there's, I, I, uh, there, will, there will be a lot of focus on like how um, real estate can, can be of value to other people. And this is also, we were talking about this before, like, why if you if they think real estate investing is like being a slumlord or bad for people they're not going to want to do it but if it's if they see um how it can benefit and and it's win-win and uh, because that's that's how women tend to be wired to like how can it communally help others um then we're more inspired to to do it you know, um, actually, Bruce, you had been talking at the beginning, and I think, I can't remember if it was on the show or before the show, but this whole idea that so many times women in a relationship where it's a husband and wife usually can be the one that says, well, you know, just you make the decisions, I don't need to understand. And I think so often we don't take on the responsibility of own owning the wealth creation and the investing and that can limit the ability that it can limit our power. It can limit the ability that we have to grow and expand. And I think you, part of what you're doing, Monique, is that you're helping to empower women to take ownership of wealth creation in their own life, not because we don't need men and not because we're better than, but really with this mindset and this idea that we can contribute tremendous value. Can you um, just kind of share why, from your perspective, it's so important to make sure that women specifically in relationship or single women are empowered to own and, and to own their wealth creation. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 some, it's exactly what you're saying. And um, what I was saying before, I, I truly believe that when women have more time and money, they will give back, they'll give back to the, to their families. They will give back to their communities and they'll give back to the world. And for me, the empowering women financially is a shortcut for helping the world because I know that if I, if I can empower a woman, she's going she's gonna to get her kids, she's going to help her kids, she's going to bring her men along, she's going to bring her mama and her sisters and my, her brothers and everybody. So it's like getting and empowering a woman, you empower everybody. So that's why I'm so passionate about that. 
Rachel, what I see is, is also is it's um, two heads are better than one in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it, I, and I, Monique, I, I don't get this feeling at all from you. It, you really want this to be a collaborative thing, not just for the women within the women's group, but then to go back and help, you know, collaborate with whatever relationship you are, male, female, 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 or whatever it is, you know, going yeah. forward. Uh, because, um, and then the other thing that's kind of odd that I've always found is men die before women and uh, on the average. And then this, this uh, meteor that just hits these women that don't, that haven't take, empowered themselves to, to, to understand their financial situation. It's, it's really a difficult time for them. And so if you started at a, at a relatively young age and, you, and you're empowered by this, uh, yes, it's an emotional letdown, but it won't be a financial letdown. Um, so it's, it, I think that's another reason why it's very, very important to, to empower women to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Death or divorce or a lot of women, they'll let all their men um, take all the decisions on that. And then they find themselves alone and just, yeah. it's like a meteor hits. For them. I would also say that it, it is also stressful for the male in the relationship to have all that financial responsibility on, on him also. So it actually, what I find when the woman does take more responsibility, it actually enhances the relationship. It's like, Oh, thank goodness. I, you know, you're going to help me with this stuff. Kind of like women feel like when men help them around the house, with, you know, <laughs> taking care of the children and the, and the, and uh, the, and the housework, you know, it's well, just like, Oh, we're in this together. It's so, yes. So yeah. nice. Bruce, I think that's perfect what you're saying even because um, I think there can be this old mindset that many of us have to figure out how to throw off. But this idea that, well, I'm the wife and I support the husband and the husband is the breadwinner and they make all the money, they bring in the income, they manage the finances, they invest the money, they'd make all the choices and the woman is just along for the ride. And I think that that way of thinking about financial your financial life doesn't work. It doesn't empower women. It doesn't support men well, and it doesn't help any of us to flourish. And I think it can cause, Bruce, as you were saying, I think it causes extra stress in the relationship. And then in whatever situation you find yourself, it's like there's this disequilibrium that just doesn't feel good to either person. And when you're pulling together and you're stronger together. Absolutely. I might... My main business partner, both in real estate investor goddesses and in my real estate investing, is my husband Peter. And awesome. so we we work together, and we actually uh, have done this retreat called Real Estate Investor Soulmates. So helping couples who who want to invest together, not just in how do you do this to increase your income, but use this process to increase your intimacy too. And because it's been an incredible process for us. It, working together through real estate um, in building uh, sustainable wealth that that can that will you know, sustain our family and we can leave on leave to our children and and grandchildren when we have them. Uh, but it, it's also you know learning to work together well and really be partners fully has steepened our love too. So it's. I, I think this, you know, being able to have having both partners in this process together is great. 
Monique, I love hearing you say that because my husband and I are also in business together. And for the number of people who say, I could never work with my spouse, <laughs> it's it feels like from society that there's this setup that if you work together with your spouse, that you're going to be in a worse relationship and you're going to be at each other's throats and you're going to see each other's ugliness. But I have absolutely found the opposite to be true, that it's harder to work through those tensions and that stress of figuring out how different we are, but then relying on each other's strength that is different. And I think it is, it's been profound for our relationship as well. So I just love hearing someone say that. That's really awesome. So as we're getting close to wrapping up the show today, share with our listeners, you have some awesome stuff on the horizon. You have a book that is really amazing. So share, how can they get in touch with you and find out about your events coming up and then also your book? Sure. Um, If you go to reigoddesses.com, you can, you can, get a free copy of the book, um, Investing in Real Estate from $1 to $1 million that we talked about. Um, and you can find out about our upcoming event. We're doing a virtual wealth through real estate event for women happening September 18th through 20th. So you can find out info about that and all the other um, goodies we have at, at Real Estate Investor Goddesses. That's excellent. So you heard it. Go to realestateinvestorgoddesses.com. Actually, it's reigoddesses.com, right? Both both will draw will get you there, but reigoddesses.com is easier to type. <laughs> Perfect, which stands for real estate investor. Um, we did yeah. have one question on the YouTube that's live, and this was kind of on the tax piece. I just want actually it's not really a question, it's a comment, but I wanted to bring this up real quick. Instead of worrying about the rich being taxed enough, why not think about how the tax code actually hurts working class people the most? And then this kind of was a follow-on comment. Stop supporting the thing that actually hurts you. We did not have a permanent income tax till 1913. Somehow the country and people in general survived before then. So I'm not actually sure which one went ahead of the other, but the idea that how can we then empower the middle class who are hurt most by the tax code to really be in a position of not being hurt by taxes. And I think real estate is one of the most powerful tools that we can use to to prevent that problem. Bruce, think, do you have anything you want to share there? Well, I, I think in closing, for my closing thought, which which is, this is great that the uh, listeners pr- brought this up. Somebody said, it's amazing how much time and energy Congress is now uh, trying to figure out how to get more stimulus money to to everybody when all they could simply say is, we're, we're not going to take any federal taxes out of your paycheck until now, until the end of the year. And that would do the same thing. It would be so easy. They wouldn't have to send out any checks. They would just say, okay, well, let's just stop taking the taxes out. <laughs> well, and it helps, that helps people who still have jobs. Um, it was just the people who've lost their jobs. Might be right, right. Well, yeah. that is true. But I, but I mean, there, there are still a lot of people that are uh, working. And, and it's not necessarily, it's a stimulus check. It's not a, I'm talking about the stimulus check. I'm not talking yeah. about helping the people that um, because they're talking about stimulating the economy. Well, one way to stimulate was because all they're doing is taking it out of future tax revenue anyway. So why not just take it out of tax revenue right now? It's just, it's just another way of looking at the tax code benefiting everybody. And I think that was the point of the listener. Yeah, there, there are a lot of things that could be improved about the tax code for sure. Um, and, but there are the, the rules are what they are for now. Um, changing them is is definitely something that, that should be done. But given what the rules are now, learn to take advantage of them. You don't, it doesn't have to just be for the, the wealthy. You too could take advantage of those rules to um, just 
pay less to Uncle Sam. Awesome. Well, thank you, Monique, for sharing this hour with us today. This has been really fabulous. And go to reigoddesses.com, get her book, The Investing in Real Estate from $1 to a Million. Fabulous read, a lot of great ideas. And really what I want you to take away from this show today is that real estate investing is not only something that you can do on the horizon in the distant future, it's something that you can do right now with wherever you stand. So I would encourage you to take up that ball and run with it, whatever that looks like for you. And if nothing else, go ahead and take that education and be able to build yourself up and empower yourself to take those next steps. And so check out Monique's virtual event also on September 18th coming up. And what was the title of the event again? It's our, it's our virtual wealth through real estate event. Wealth, virtual wealth through real estate. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Monique, again. Thank you, Bruce, for joining us on the show today. And in closing, remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business that you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.